And as the men are handing out the uh, study sheets for this morning, I will warn you, this is a sermon where I had to leave a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor. Uh, And so I'm going to encourage you uh, to get your Bibles out for this, this sermon. A lot of verses I couldn't put in. And there are other aspects of the topic we're talking about this morning uh, that are in the text that I'm not going to even get a chance to talk about in the little bit of time that I have up here. So, so go ahead and get your Bibles out and turn to Matthew chapter 13. That's where we are. We're kind of looking an overview of Matthew's great gospel. Matthew's the king gospel. Jesus the king is almost on every page. And Matthew talks through what happened in the life of Jesus, the things that he said, the things that he did, to help us realize the king that's talked about in Psalms 2 and and, uh, that's talked about in Isaiah and that's talked about in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all the prophets, that king is standing in front of us when we watch Jesus. God's king, the branch, the, the root of Jesse, that's who this is. And so we look at him and we see him explaining what God's kingdom is like and how it's different from the kingdoms of the world. Chapter 13 is a chapter that sort of Matthew uses to collect all of Jesus' parables and put them together. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And put them together so that you can see how Jesus teaches. But Matthew 13 has a theme. And the theme is this theme. The one who has ears, let them hear. Everything in this chapter, in one way or another, kind of connects back to this idea of God gave you the ability to hear this message of Jesus the King. Are you going to be able to actually hear it? Are you going to let yourself listen? Are you going to let yourself be changed by it? Are you going to let this message of Jesus the King really sink in. Matthew could have selected lots of different parables, and the ones he selects to put into chapter 13 seem to be, guided by the Holy Spirit, seem to be about this issue of can you actually listen when God talks? He talks about Jesus when he talks about the things in your life. The kingdom of heaven We're told towards the end of chapter 13, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found, and he covered it up. Then, in his joy, he goes, and he sells all that he has, and he buys the field. That's that's like a novel in two verses right there. Isn't that amazing? That's a great story. Discovering the treasure, covering it back up, going and buying the field. The, the message of uh, the, the parable is this. How much was he willing to sell in order to get that treasure that he knew was hidden in the field? How much was he willing to sell? This treasure's worth 10%. This treasure's worth 50%. 
this treasure's worth 70%? Nope, Jesus says it was totally, he had to sell everything else in order to get this treasure. And he was filled with joy. It was worth it to him. The next parable is almost the exact same message. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who in finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. He's got a whole jewelry shop. That's what we imagine. He's got all the pearls and all kinds of things. And and he takes it all to the nearest pawn shop and says, give me your best price. And, And he turns it all into cash so he can get this one object of incredible beauty. The pearl of great price. It's become a a saying in our culture, the pearl of great price. And you've probably experienced things like that in your life. I know we have. The pearl of great price. But the point of the parable is not about markets. Neither of these, the, the first parable is not really about real estate. The second parable is not really about pearls. It's about how much you're willing to give when you find the thing that is of ultimate value. And Jesus is saying, this that's happening right now, me being on earth, finally bringing in God's kingdom, and everything that follows from it for the rest of human history, this is the thing of ultimate value. And if it costs you all the money you have, it's so worth it. If it costs you everything that's going on in your life, in exchange for this, it is worth it. If it costs you your life, it is worth it. This kingdom changes everything. The entire universe revolves around it. And you being willing to listen to what the gospel about this kingdom says and to live your life according to it, that is your pearl of great price. That's what those parables are saying. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The good news about Jesus is more important than anything else in our lives. That's what those parables are telling us. The good news about Jesus is more important than anything else in our lives. This is what my life is constructed by my creator to be about now. Human race has been off the rails. The universe has been off the rails. And God's king has come to set my life back on track and to set the universe back on track. And there is nothing in my life more important than taking part in this plan. And it's worth whatever it costs me. Now you guys showed up for church this morning. So you kind of believe me when I say these things. You're here because you agree so far with what I've said. And that's good. I like it when people agree with me. But there's a problem that Jesus is aware of and that you and I are aware of. We agree with this. We know this story and we know this truth. Why are there people who don't understand and won't listen? 
Why isn't everybody getting on board with this? Why would anyone not listen? And that's what this other passage that's there on your study sheet is about. The passage that we had read for our scripture today. The disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Why do you talk in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And, to the, and they will have an abundance. But to the one who has not, even what they have will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and with it their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed lest they should see and their eyes uh, with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Jesus goes back to the great temple scene where Isaiah sees God lifted high and holy, surrounded by seraphim, singing his praises, holy, 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 and he's terrified when he sees that vision. This is Isaiah chapter 6, if you're taking notes. He's terrified when he sees that vision. I dwell in a land full of unclean lips. I have unclean lips. And he is purified by fire from God's altar. And God asked the great question, who will go and talk for us? Who can we send? And Isaiah says, what I hope you say in your life, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. And God, that's Isaiah's commissioning to be probably the most quoted prophet in the entire Old Testament. This amazing ministry that he then launches. But God makes this sad prediction. All the truth that you're going to speak, Isaiah, all the power that the Holy Spirit's going to push into you to push out into the world, all of that, for many people, is going to just make their ears less open, their minds less willing to understand, their eyes more closed. Preaching all the truth may make people run faster away from the truth. That is a weird, strange fact about human beings and their relationship with God. The same truth that can be gospel to you can be the opposite, the anti-gospel to someone else. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So even though this gospel of Jesus Christ, king, set to correct what's wrong in your life, set to correct what's wrong in the entire universe, set to make the world once again in the image that God intends for it, to do God's will here as well as in heaven. That's what Jesus has come to do. That's the most precious message in the world. There's nothing you could give, there's nothing you could get that would be, will, that would be worth losing 
your part in that kingdom. So why don't more people listen? Why are people's ears hard of hearing? Well, Jesus tells several parables. And again, I had to leave a lot of stuff out of the sermon. So you're going to do yourself a favor if you go home and meditate on Matthew chapter 13 with these questions in mind. Why is it that people can't listen sometimes? He tells the most famous parable in Matthew, probably the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, we usually call it. And and it's about a guy who goes and throws seed and some lands on the path and some lands on the rocks and some lands on the weeds and some is fertile and grows. And later his his disciples ask him, "Well, well, explain that to us. And here's what he says about the different soils. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. And that's what it's like for the seed sown on the path. Jesus says, one of the reasons that people's ears grow deaf to the good news has to do with their connection to the evil one. Some people won't listen because they are so taken over by sin that they can hardly think of anything else. That's the the seed that falls on that hard, packed path. There's no room for the seed to take root. There's nothing in which it can connect because all of that person's life has been consumed with sin. You know... I have a love-hate relationship with potato chips. I'll just tell you right now. Love came first. I love potato chips so much. And because I love them so much, I hate them now. They've been a big contributor to what you see in front of you. You know, Lay's had a slogan, you can't just eat one, can't eat just one. Yeah, if I have a bag of potato chips... It will haunt my dreams. It will wake me up at two in the morning. So I prefer not to have them in my house. Can't eat just one. All sin has that characteristic. If you let it have its way with you. All sin. You hear it all the time in the things people say. I deserve a drink. You know, I deserve to have a night out. I deserve to party like there's no tomorrow. I deserve it. I'm just getting over the effects of sin in one part of my life. And my solution to that is to go and engage in more sin in another part of my life. It's the sin cycle that takes up all of my waking hours just orbiting from one to the other. I deserve this. Why do you tell yourself you deserve to do something that you know is bad for you? You have to convince yourself, I know objectively this is not what I should be doing right now, but I somehow, someway, the universe owes this to me. Because I worked hard for four hours yesterday, or... 
because I have to, you know, I had a fight with my husband or with my wife or or because or my kids are just so noisy. Whatever, it, I deserve this now. Sometimes people are not in a place to hear the good news because sin has taken up all the air in the room. What's the Holy Spirit trying to do with a person that is spinning on that sin cycle? The Holy Spirit is trying to help them see that the thing that they are doing to make themselves feel better is the very thing that is making them feel horrible. Sometimes people talk about hitting rock bottom. That's one way, sadly, in which the Holy Spirit speaks to some people. There are lots of other ways in which people can be illuminated about the fact that what I'm doing to try and take away the pain, what I'm doing to try and make myself feel better is actually the thing that is eating me alive. And to come to that awareness is the first step back in God's direction. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. If you've got people in your life that are spinning on that sin cycle, then that's what the Holy Spirit wants for them. And you, Christian, as an instrument of God, as a mouthpiece of God's Spirit. That's what you are, whether you feel like it or not, sometimes. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit is hoping you will help the Spirit to accomplish in this person's life. That some way, somehow, you can be part of them realizing that they're hurting themselves by the very thing they think they're doing as a solution to their problems. You do that, first of all, Christians, by conquering sin in your own life more and more every day. And by living a happy life and a righteous life in communion with those people whose lives are very different. God doesn't call us out of the world. He decided to leave us right here in the middle of a sin-stricken world. And part of that is so that you can be part of helping people to understand how sin is ripping their life to shreds. The amazing thing about this parable, it says, you know, the, so- the seed lands there, it can't even get any purchase. The amazing thing about this parable, it's set in a gospel that tells story after story of people who may have been in that position, who finally break out and listen to the gospel. Jesus calls prostitutes and Jesus calls tax collectors and Jesus calls sinners and they come. So a case is not hopeless though it may look very hard and you, mouthpiece of the spirit that you are, you do your part in living righteously and when you have an opportunity saying a righteous word. What about the next soil? As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, 
has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately falls away. Some won't listen to the gospel because they think it's too hard to go against the world. One of the messages of Jesus, one of the ways he explains how his kingdom is different from the kingdoms of the world is this. He says, we will be here in the middle of the world as God's kingdom. And the world will do its worst against us. And tempt us to do our worst back. And we will stand firm with our hope on the righteousness of God. Jesus tells that a hundred different ways in this gospel, maybe. If you want to follow me, he's going to say pretty soon, you got to take up your cross. If people persecute you and say all kinds of horrible things about you because of me, you're blessed. He says it over and over again. Persecution is part of how this kingdom is going to operate in a world that is captured and captivated by sin and rebellion. You're going to be persecuted. Some people, the fear of that persecution drives them away from being willing to hear, truly hear what the gospel has to say. The fear of what the world will do. When I was a kid... I feared the doctor's office. I was interested in the doctor's office. My doctor had a picture of a skeleton. I really liked that skeleton picture. I was interested in it. He had lots of things in jars, cotton balls and swabs and stuff like that, and that was interesting to me. He's kind of a nerdy kid. I'm sure that's a shock to you. But I hated going to the doctor. And the reason I hated to the Going to the doctor, there was one reason. I'm not going to say what it is, but it involved my arm. And that haunted me. I thought about it all the time. I knew which street my doctor was on. If my mother ever was driving the car and turned onto that street, I would start panicking. Are we going to the doctor? Are we going to the doctor? It was interesting. I... I've since gotten a little more used to that on my arm, but I realize now, looking back, there was a little tiny bullseye of pain and this huge halo of fear about that experience that captivated me so much when I was four and five years old. The pain was actually kind of small. What was making it so unbearable for me was my imagination, my fear. That's a lot of what persecution is like. Now, don't get me wrong. Persecution can be awful. The world can do some terrible things to us just because we believe in Jesus. There's real pain, and Jesus doesn't hide that from you. He he puts it right up front on the label, as it were. But he says, you have nothing to be afraid of. Your life is secure. God is bringing you 
like shining fruit into his storehouse. So you will ultimately be safe. The gospel of Jesus is to take away the fear. The pain is still there, but the fear does not need to haunt us. There are people who imagine how awful it would be if they had to tell their family or their friends or their workmates or whoever. If I, you know, I've started going to church. They're afraid of the reaction. They're afraid of the persecution. They're afraid of the resistance. And it could be real. But the fear is a much bigger problem. What's the Holy Spirit trying to do for a person who is kept from hearing the gospel out of fear of resistance from the world, persecution from the world? Or what what is the Holy Spirit trying to accomplish? The Holy Spirit is trying to speak hope to counteract the fear. This is the most important thing you can be doing with your life. And whatever the world does against you, it cannot take away your salvation in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Jesus... He truly is the king who can protect you to the absolute end. You will never be separate from him. You will never be separate from the joy of God if you are faithful to Jesus Christ. Jesus can take away that fear. The Holy Spirit is working to take away that fear. And you, mouthpiece of the spirit that you are, you be part of that process Maybe you are the one that the Holy Spirit's going to use to help that message come across by the way that you live, by the words that you say, by the courage that you show when you face persecution. And people are watching you. There's another kind of soil that Jesus talks about. As for that which was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word but cares, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Jesus says some won't listen because they are too busy with other things. Just got my mind occupied. You know, I really like Christianity. It's something I really mean to think about. I really, I was raised in the church. I know what I should be doing, and and I will. When I'm older, right now is the time of my life when I can go out and party. Right now is the time of my life when I can make the most money. Right now is the time of life. I've got to get all of these things in my life organized. And I'm going to get around to that Christianity thing soon. And inch by inch, day by day, soon, imperceptibly transforms into never. Some people won't listen because they are too busy with other things. That's what the parable of the pearls is about. That's what the parable of the hidden treasure is about. There is no other thing that is worth costing you this precious gospel of Jesus Christ. There is nothing. The Holy Spirit is trying to get that message across and you mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit that you are. 
You may be able to say a word. Or you may be able to show by your actions that you put first of all in your life the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything else has a place. We do those things. But number one, first of all for me, is the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus says many hopeful things in chapter 13. To his disciples, he says, Blessed are your eyes for their see. He he had just finished quoting that Isaiah passage about people whose eyes can't see, whose, whose ears have grown a doll of hearing, and he says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. I love that story. I love that little quotation. Because if you read the Gospels with an honest mind, do the apostles come off as the you know, the brightest bulbs in the pack, the sharpest knives in the drawer, the pointiest toothpicks in the box. I don't know. Sorry, I ran out of metaphors there. When you read the Gospels, the apostles don't come off as all that smart. They're constantly confused by what Jesus says. They really don't get him most of the time. Even though he'll come out and flat out say what's going to happen, they don't believe it. They can't put their mind around it. And he says, but you, you've heard, and you're blessed because of it. Isn't that great? That gives me so much hope. Because I know what I am when this gospel comes talking to me. I know what's wrong with me. I know all the things that are messed up in my life. You do too. And Jesus says, people like Moses, people like David and Solomon, people like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they wished they could have a chance to hear what you have heard. And they didn't get to. Because God had saved that for you. I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus says that to his apostles, he's talking to you and me as much as he was talking to them. You are living in a blessed time because now the gospel is here and you have heard it and your eyes are seeing it. You are blessed beyond comprehension almost to be part of this. Is it because you're so smart? Is it because I'm smart? Jesus clearly doesn't think that's it. But it's because you have let yourself listen and be changed by what you heard. He finishes the parable of the soils like this. For what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, another thirty. To those whose ears are open, the good news gives them salvation. You may not think of yourself, church, as good soil. 
You may not see yourself in that way as good soil. But that almost doesn't matter. What matters is whether or not God's powerful word has been allowed to start growing in your heart. The soil doesn't do the work. God's powerful word is the seed that does the work. And if you will listen and start doing what God has called you to do, God will give the increase. You don't know what fruit he has in mind for you to bear. But his word can do it in you as long as you just keep listening to what he has to say. To the one who has ears to hear, let them hear. If you need to respond to the message and invitation of Jesus Christ, if you need prayers or help of some kind, or if you're ready to receive baptism, to wash away the sins, to bury the old, to receive from God the blessing of a new life, forgiveness of sins, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you want that, why don't you come as we stand and are led in song.